Another episode of the Under the Bar podcast. Uh, my name's Tom. Yep. With me is Rawdon. I'm here, Tom. Yes. I'm here. Lab coat's on today, I think. Lab coat's on. It's been a very busy little period of time for the uh, podcast. It has. Things progressing ahead nicely. You can go to the website, underthebarpodcast.com. Yep. And there's a few nice little blog posts and bits and pieces coming up there. A few episodes transcribed so you can... Uh, yeah, so there are some uh, show notes and stuff. And we had a nice little message from uh, one of our listeners who yeah. found it quite useful and she's going to yeah. print them off and file them away, which so I think is is great. Well, I mean, they're worthy of printing off and filing. I mean, it's gold. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> of course, this is the transcription of our guests. Oh. Not you and I. No, not the polywaffle. Uh, there's no wizard sleeves. No. There's no balls, balls deep. deep. There's no up to your nuts and guts. No. There's no lab coats. There's no, no eye dotting. There's no uh, T-crossing. No, it's all just content. Quality oh, content. Boring. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So, well, we've had some big guests. That, you know, they, they, <laughs> All jokes aside, they're some of the best uh, in the industry. Yeah, this yeah. is... Successful people in life. Exactly. That's great. Now, okay. on the show today, mate, looking mm. forward to this, yep. we've got Sean Cooper from Subito Supplements coming in studio, cool. and he's the brains behind the true Celtic, and it's not a, a shameless plug. We're actually going to get him to talk us through the process of whey protein, ah, that yeah, the how-to of whey proteins, because his company have released a, a WPI. Yep. And we'll find out what that means. Yep, yep, and yep, I think yep. what goes into it. But he'll he'll go through the difference between the different kinds of protein, yeah, yeah, what yep, to look yep, for yep. in a good protein, and how that uh, whey in your shaker gets to the shaker from the tea to the cow. Yes. And, uh, a to Z of the uh, whey protein, I so, think. So that'll be fascinating. Yeah, Then we've got groundskeeper Willie, Luke Tullock, our resident who's, neuroscientist. Who's legitimately morphed into the, uh, legitimately the groundskeeper Willie. He's uh, ginormous. Started training again, and mm. then he's put on about 10 kegs, and... He's been accused of being on all sorts of performance-enhancing drugs, which he loves. Yes. Because he's, uh, if anyone knows Luke, you know that he's uh, very squeaky clean, but he's a very smart uh, guy. So um, He's awesome coming to into the studio. Now, off the back of our chat with uh, Dr. Chrysler the other week, yes. um, we're going to get Luke to continue on his endocrine system yep. path and go in through all the ins and outs of estrogen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chrysler... I think it's a few different types, E2, E1, E2, E3, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, That's, why, uh, that's why we get Gounge Kevin Williams. Well, we need a neuroscientist in here to uh, actually add some uh, credibility to the show. Yes. But yeah, he um, it was referenced quite a bit from Chrysler, and, and uh, for anyone that hasn't listened to that episode, it was almost as, as influential a role in um, testosterone therapy for an individual, getting that magic right, uh, I think he called it the sweet spot of estrogen, so yes. um, really... Uh, Really, a significant hormone for men as much as it is for women. So, mm. uh, Lukey's going to uh, balls deep into that one for us. Yeah, so that's great. Now, if you'd like a chance to win some of the True Celtic, ah, uh, yes, you can go to the Under the Bar iTunes page. Yep. Leave a review there. Take a screenshot of the review and mm. then email that through to info at underthebarpodcast.com. Yep. And we will send out two packs of True Celtic each program to a uh, couple of lucky the two uh, best. Yeah, two best. And uh, that's pretty much all that's coming up on the show, so uh, strap yourselves in. Yeah, get into it. Yeah. Okay, Rawdon. Now, the other thing we can do is if they want to know more about you, they can go to The Dubois Method, Facebook and Instagram. To learn more about myself, they can go to tomhewitt.com.au. Yep. Uh, we have a listener question. This actually came uh, through the website. It's from Noah. He's a big fan. He says, I'm a listener of your podcast and a big fan. It's the podcast I look forward to the most out of all the ones I listen to. Good job. Awesome. I have an online PT right now who has given me macro recommendations, but I've never been good at feeding myself, so I was really looking forward to some real-world examples of what strength trainees eat when they're mm. doing things right. I've looked, but most of what I find online uses exotic ingredients or takes too long and doesn't take well to being prepared in advance. Ah, uh, okay. Someday it would be nice to start eating meals instead of just ingredients, which is what I usually do. Protein, gulp. Fat, gulp. Carb, gulp. Fiber, gag. Done. I'm fasting today <laughs> and about to try out a touch of your himbi. Wish me luck, Noah. 
Yeah, good. Well, Modafinil thrown in at uh, on top of the Yimbin if he really wants to mm. uh, get into it. But okay, send himself into a cardiac arrest. Not a bad, uh, not a bad little uh, scenario and question there. Yeah, it's a very valid question. So, um, well, I mean, I'll, I'll obviously uh, talk about what I do. Well, let's just give an example of what we do. So, uh, yeah. you know, okay, so what's today? Wednesday. So, Monday, Tuesday, for me, a big long day is in the gym yeah. on the tools. Yep. So, rather than, uh, you know, packing up five different boxes of food, yep, yep. what I do on the Sunday is I cook, uh, this week it was chicken. So, yeah. I cooked a few big chicken breasts. Uh, it was a, so, uh, it was organic chicken. Okay, yep. are you uh, measuring roughly the amounts for this one? Roughly, roughly. I mean, my protein is pretty much always the same. And then I just manipulate carbs and... Let the listener know what roughly your... uh It'd be somewhere around about 160, 170 grams a day. Okay. Yeah, so not a huge amount. But... More than enough. Yeah, according to the Israels and yeah. uh, Henselmans of the world, yeah. about 1.8 grams Works per kilo about would one, be about... 1.8 grams, yeah. yeah. Perfect, bang yeah. on. And obviously you maintain muscle in good shape, so that's yeah. more than enough. That's fine. So I cook up a whole lot of chicken breasts, hmm? season them with some chili and coloured oh, salt and some pepper. Master chef. <laughs> I get a massive big container. I fill hmm. it with greens. Yeah. I put a little drizzle of olive oil on that. Yeah. Um, and I can attest to this because I see you pulling that box of greens out and a little yeah. bit of turkey mince or chicken on top. And it was in there. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. And, and then I chuck in some nuts. I think it was Brazil nuts or some Or cashews. you could have the, uh, you often pull out the little uh, jar of peanut butter. Peanut butter or... Or, or some or sort of cashew spread or yeah. something like Dangerous, that. Dangerous, those ones. Oh, yes. For, uh, is it Noah? For Noah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, be careful. Those uh, nut spreads, mate. You'll, uh, one spoonful will not be enough. Yes. Be warned. <laughs> They're very tasty. Ooh. And then basically I just chip away that throughout the day. My workout nutrition goes in around that. That's just a, a shake yep. done. And that's how simple it can be. And, you know, I quite enjoy the process of eating that. You know, it tastes good. And chicken's... Yep. I've got good at cooking the chicken. I cook yep. it in bit of coconut oil so it's yeah. nicely done yep. that's how Perfect. i do things if i want to increase my calories i increase more fat i increase the amount of carbohydrates i have post-workout okay and uh that's so depending whether you're doing a uh volume phase or, yep. or, or even just with phases you might increase carbs a little yeah just a little bit here and there just to just okay, to suit the style of training yeah um, okay. All right. And so I guess to give an example as to what, um, you know, the guidelines for some of my clients, I would like them to consume at least five different animal proteins per week. Mm-hmm. It could be chicken, beef, lamb, pork, kangaroo or other game meats, mm. white fish. If you're game. If you're game, white fish. And there's lots of varieties you can have in there. Yeah. Some Plenty. salmon and eggs. That's an example of, you know, there's probably 10 or 11 different kinds of protein yep. you could chuck into the mix there. For the fats I like, coconut oil, olive oil, MCT oil, mm. butter, yep. nuts, the dangerous nut butter, yeah. avocados. For those who can tolerate uh, lactose, a bit of cream here and there. Ooh. But uh, generally speaking... I might speaking, come and work with you, Tom. You're very, <laughs> very loose yes. parameters. Carbohydrates-wise, you've got your white rice, your basmati rice, your white potato. So those would be the ones for white quinoa. I'd be packing around the workouts. Mm. For other meals, I tend to go a little lower on the uh, GI index. Mm. Maybe the sweet potato, the brown rice, the, and the red quinoa, those sorts of things. So look, the reality is, Noah, is that eating for health and performance is not necessarily the most indulgent food experience. It is a means to an end to a certain degree, but it doesn't have to be totally bland either. And there's an argument to say that you actually shouldn't try to get too extravagant with things because it leads you down the path of wanting to eat more extravagant things. Slippery slope. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I've got to be uh, quite on the opposite end of the spectrum compared to you. For me, I do... My clientele are a a specific demographic. Most of them are PTs, but... But if they're not, they're uh, you know balls deep in a in a competition prep. That's yeah. why I'm working with them. So yeah. I actually instruct them to be quite bland and protein gulp, you know, carbs gulp, uh, fats gulp. That is exactly how I want it. I don't want them to cook in the in the in the fats because that's going to uh, you know not be an accurate intake of 20 grams of fat. I'm yep. going to tell them to weigh it and then they boom in the mouth afterwards. Yep. Uh, so literally for my clientele, if they're gulping like uh, Noah's doing, they're that's what a you want. Tick of approval. And, yeah. Uh, well done. You can continue working with me. You don't have to be sacked just yet as a client. But um, all jokes aside, obviously variety, uh, I do specify um, uh, red meat or white meat. The white meat choices for my clientele will be turkey breast, chicken breast or pork. Uh, Similar protein and fat profiles for for those three, although pork is a red meat, I know, but similar uh, uh, macro breakdown for pork. It's it's, it's It's very similar to white white meat, so I'll throw it in there. Red meats, like you said, lamb, uh, beef, kangaroo, some game meat if, if, if they can. Uh, veal, even just varying from uh, regular beef, obviously it's just uh, young beef. But 
variety there. And then obviously the white fish and salmon. Uh, egg whites I like to use. Eggs, uh, in a classical sense, what they would normally overconsume. You know, a lot of yes. uh, prior to coming in with me. Generally, I, I, I pull eggs out, but I give them egg whites. Um, I like egg whites pre-bed, um, are good. Or if they can't stomach the the, the meat in the morning, um, occasionally I will uh, let them have a. If they work with me long term, I will let them have egg white, make some sort of omelet in the morning. Yep. Um, with fats and uh, fats, yeah, I, I guess similar to yours, uh, the MCT coconut. Um, the nut sources that I like to use to keep it simple, give them variety, but with similar uh, macro breakdown of peanuts, Brazil nuts, and uh, almonds. They've got a similar uh, protein, carb, and fat, fat content. Ratio. Yep. Start going for cashews and all the other exotic nuts. The, the, the macadamias the, of the world. Yeah, no. they're great, but they just throws out the macros uh, out. Yeah, uh, more protein, less carbs, less more carbs, less protein type thing in those. So from a, a uh, being an accurate uh, programming intake. yeah yep. I like to just give them three for variety uh, avocado MCT coconut like you said and, and uh, butter and uh, and of course the uh, olive oil all great options uh, vegetable wise I give them a list of vegetables I like to go for a lower FODMAP nightshades I'm, I'm not too concerned about but generally lower FODMAP uh, so FODMAPs are a type of carbohydrate in a lot of the, the vegetables so low FODMAP choices for them again just from a, a, an overall reducing information perspective remember short optimal my clientele getting them uh, ready for stage so I give them a selection of about 10 different vegetables that they can choose from I give them an amount uh, so it's about uh, less than or equal to 200 grams of uh, vegetables for the serve and then I also give them raw measures of everything yep. when you cook foods the, the measurements go out yep. so if they you know if they fry it uh, pan fry or they, they oven bake or they broil it you know the d- weights will be different at the end so I just give them raw measures for everything yep. carbohydrates as well carbs yep uh, jasmine white long grain uh, you know immediately post training mm. although I usually supplement with the high GI powder post training so then it doesn't really matter what the GI the carbohydrate is after that because I want that to slowly be absorbed anyway but sometimes I will um, yep lower glycemic coming into the workout so the brown rice sweet potato uh, will be used there but uh, aside from that for my clientele minimum uh, you know, rock salt, uh, lemon, herbs, uh, that's pretty much it. I, I tell them to eat very bland and so they can emotionally disconnect from food. I, I really yep. don't want to have there any any association, any emotional attachment to food mm. or, or longing for a meal. And, yeah, no cheat meals, you know, unless it's a, a special occasion, a, you know, anniversary or a birthday or something like that. Um, that's not part of uh, what I do for my clientele either. But like I said, it's not general pop. It's not long-term clientele. So I can be a little uh, stricter and a little bit more uh, definitive with my recommendations and a bit more deliberate. But everything's done for a reason. And, um, you know, I think they, they expect that type of, uh, you know, detail and... Um, and, and uh, th- th- there's enough variety but not an excessive amount of variety because variety can go the other way as well where you give them so many options and then they just sit there scratching their head mm. and they really don't know what to consume and so you need to give them a bit but not for my money not not too much uh, and keep some parameters on what they actually do but yeah. that you know gulp 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 it, uh, he's actually he's, he's not actually, too far off the mark no, uh, no if you want to uh, yeah, yeah, send in an email right, yeah, so you, you can gotta join be, you got to be competing though so prerequisite photo shoot or uh, IFBB preparation but uh, if you do one of those we can work together but uh, <laughs> so hopefully that's uh, but me personally um, I work from home online business so my all my meals are usually today being an exception I'm in the city doing the um, podcast but um, generally I prepare my meals uh, in the morning but uh, similar to what you said uh but um, but usually uh, if I'm from home, it'll just be made from scratch. So yep. uh, I do actually measure protein and uh, you know. Uh, well, particularly now, because you're on the shred train. Um, yeah. yeah, and that yep. being the difference, if I wasn't uh, cutting, then I wouldn't be measuring. I'd be more like your existence, a little bit more of a ballpark. Intuitive, figure. yeah. Intuitive. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, at the moment everything's been weighed. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Under the Bar Podcasts with Tom and Rawdon. Mm. You can go to underthebarpodcasts.com to uh, check out all our various website activities. There's blog posts and bits and pieces going on there. One of the things we do on the program, Rawdon, is we give Mm. away France's finest uh, true Celtic yes. uh, sea salt. The, uh, the the fields in France or the shores of France? The shores. The shores potentially, yes. it's got mm. the organic ginger and the cinnamon, and we give that away. Yeah. Uh, now, the brains behind that particular mm. product mm. is in studio with us now, 
Sean Cooper from Sabido Supplements. Yep. Sean, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Very good. Very, now, let's very nice mic placement there too, Sean. Very Thank good. you. It's actually tangled in his beard. Yes. He, he can't move. I don't know if I can pull it away. <laughs> yeah, he can't pull I'm a bit it afraid away. to. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. But it's uh, like a band-aid. Just before we go any further in this, we'll qualify and say that this is not a shameless plug. No. We're actually here to get some information because... Yep. Sean was down at the Icon Performance Health Center yeah. uh, a week or so back, and he was dishing out some product. Yep. He's got a uh, protein powder. Trying to woo you with product. Woo us with product. Mm. But uh, <laughs> he sat down with the group and had a, a bit of a brief chat about what actually went into the process of getting his product uh, up and running and, yeah. and what's in it and what makes it, it, it superior. And did, did he go to France? <laughs> I mean, there's questions <laughs> well, to be asked on. No? This is not necessarily the true Celtic, mate. This was mm. the this was the WPI. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what everyone uses. So that's, that's, that's good for everyone. Yeah, and it was just really interesting to, to listen to the process of what goes into actually making a protein powder, yeah. what makes a good one and what makes a bad one. And there's a few different types. Maybe you can answer that. Absolutely. Great. So we thought we'd get him in here to have a bit of a chat about that and okay. uh, educate you and I mm. and, of course, the audience yep. as to... Uh, uh, you know the, the, the A to Z of uh, whey protein. Of whey pads. protein, yeah. yes. So Sean, welcome to the studio, mate. Good to have Thanks. you here. Good to be here. Hey, Sean. So before we get into, I guess, the specifics of the product that you've created, balls deep, Tom. Yes, up to our nuts and guts. <laughs> yes, with uh, whey protein. What are the different types of? I mean, we've rattled off a few. There's the WPI, the WPC, the casein, mm. blah blah blahs. Mm. What, like yep. for instance, what's the difference between a WPI? Mm-hmm. And, and a whey protein concentrate. Sure. What, what, what are we dealing with here? So, firstly, all whey proteins and casein as well yep. um, comes from cow's milk. Okay. So, okay. And they're different variations, really, of the protein fractions within the milk and Ooh. how it's processed will actually yield you WPC or WPI or hydrolyzed and how it's treated thereafter. So, so, so is it the, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the byproduct of uh, processing milk? Yes, correct. So when you have a glass of milk, what's actually in there is about 80% micellar casein oh, and wow. 20% whey protein. And what we do, the way that we actually get whey protein, casein, and the different types is actually by processing the milk. Okay. So yeah. the, we, we squeeze the teat, the milk comes out. Yep. And then there, in a there's pail. A, yeah. You got it in a pail. <laughs> in a pail. You've taken the pail to, <laughs> well, the, uh, yeah. to the. Is it a churn or something? Well, or if you had a pail, if you had a pail, you'd get very, very little. It actually oh. takes about thirty kilos of milk to get one kilo of commercial grade oh, casein powder. Oh, wow. a lot it, of cows. Yeah, and it takes about one hundred and fifty kilos of milk to get about one kilo of whey protein. Wow. Isolate. Wow. So. Yeah, if you had a pail, I think we'd be there for a little while. Yes. Well, you, you, you wouldn't uh, switch on mTOR. You need five grams of leucine for that. Yeah. It wouldn't be very good. So. <laughs> okay, so they yeah. get all the milk from the teat into some sort of big vat, yes. I'm assuming. Yep. Then 150 kilos, yep. What's the process to start this uh, separation of, of uh, whey from casein? Cool. So what they do first is they take the milk from the dairy um, and they take it to a cheese-making facility, actually. Oh, I love cheese. Mm. Mm, I like cheese, cheese too. Hulumi. Yes. But they're not very good for my guts, though. No. No. Yeah. Anyway. What they do, the first thing they do is actually put it in centrifuge. So they use centrifugal force, which is a fancy way of saying you spin it really fast. Yep. And nice. what happens is it separates into cream and skim milk. Okay. okay. So they take the cream away. They use that for different purposes. Maybe for cream. Maybe for cream, yeah, maybe for yeah. cheese, maybe for other dairy <laughs> products, yeah, very good. but mostly for cream. Yeah, yeah. And then what they do is they take that skim milk and they apply either an enzyme to it or they acidify it. And what that does is it actually splits the skim milk into curds and whey. Oh, yeah. That's uh, nursery rhyme. Yeah, nursery mm. rhyme. Drinking your curds M- and mama, whey or uh, something. Tuffet <laughs> sat on the tuffet or something. <laughs> Little Miss Muffet. Little yes. Miss Muffet sat, sat on the tuffet. tuffet. There we go. Eating, Eating her curds, curds and whey. Thank you very Along much. Along came a spider and sat down, down, down beside <laughs> And scared her away or something? Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. If you got the answer, uh, info at the podcast. Well, if she'd been uh, eating her curds, she wouldn't be scared because she'd be strong. Very good, very good. Right. Yeah, fair call. All right, so we've separated it and we've got whey now or not yet? So we do have whey, yep. but there's a few more processes. So what happens is the, the curds, which are the solid, we use those to make micellar casein or caseinates, and there's a difference. Yep. Yep, yep. So when you flip over uh, any protein tub or casein tub, and yep. it has different types of casein in there, um, that's because of how they're treated. So we've got the curds and the whey. We'll leave the whey aside for a moment. Yep, yep. The we'll casein. Yep. yep, casein. So, so usually pre-bed uh, weapon of choice, yes, slow yep. release. Slow yep. release. And um, what it actually does is has micelles. So micelles are particles or molecules that group together 
And what yeah. happens is those micelles, when they enter your stomach and come into contact with acid, they form globules or micelles themselves. Right. Your body has to work harder to break those down, and that's why they trickle aminos into Slow your system release. at a time. Okay. Oh, yeah. good, very good. Okay, there we go. Great. Okay, so that's the casein and yep. micellar casein. What's the difference between those two? Yep, so there's um, micellar casein, and then there's, um, we, you can have casinate. So you might casinate, see casinate, on, on a label yeah. sodium casinate or calcium casinate. Um, yeah. casinate. But what's happened with those is they've actually been treated with either sodium hydroxide or calcium hydroxide. And the reason they do that is to make them soluble. Oh, so it mixes. So they mix, yeah. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, casein's actually using a lot of different food products. Yeah. Bring up the protein content and also um, to help with consistency, things like that. Casein on its own is insoluble. So what they do is the sodium hydroxide, the calcium hydroxide, um, is an alkali that they treat it with that okay. then makes it soluble in water. Okay. Oh, so yeah. it mixes, so it mixes it better. Yeah. The problem there, though, guys, is that um, when they actually go through that process, it harms a protein, it denatures it. Yeah. Using a chemical process to make it more soluble, right. but it's actually denaturing the protein. the quality of the protein. Yeah. So micellar casein is probably your best bet if right. you're going to be using casein okay. instead of a casinate. Okay. All right. All right good okay. tip. Takeaway. Take micellar casein. Pen, okay. Pens and paper. Yeah. Handy make note for of that. One. Right. All right. Okay. So that's the casein. What yep. about the whey? Cool. So the whey is the liquid part once it's gone through that um, second separation process yep. and what happens is that then gets taken in a big temperature controlled truck to a protein manufacturing facility once it gets there the first thing they do is they pasteurize it to get rid, in, rid of any pathogens right. or yep. sort of bacteria that could harm us if we ingest it and then it actually goes through a filtration system okay so you'll hear a lot of different um, terms when you research protein things like microfiltration not filtration cross, cross, flow, cross flow, flow all that stuff yep. they're all processes are different from each other in little ways but for the most part what they're doing is they're filtering the protein to allow us to separate the whey protein from the lactose and the fats that's in the whey itself okay, okay. and that's when we get either whey protein concentrate or isolate or Correct. if it's isolate on anabolics it's the hydrolyzed hydrolyzed not and actually and on anabolics for our listener I'm just saying that but <laughs> yes. the yep. hydrolyzed that's yep. the bee's knees that's the fastest uh, absorbing it's the fastest absorbing yes yep so, so from the whey protein concentrate to the isolates to the hydrolyze, yes, we're going process. through a further process of filtration. filtration, filtration. Yeah. So you end up with a purer product at the end of that. Correct. Because okay. whey itself is it's a pretty complex ingredient, different protein fractions. Yes. With things like immunoglobulins, oh, lactoglobulins, that could be the word of the day, lactalbumins, yeah. things mm, like that. Mm. And and what these filtration processes allow us to do is to actually separate them. Yep. Take out ones we don't want leave ones you want in so um, that's why they, they, yeah. they can tout uh, although hydrolyzed uh, whey isn't uh, dairy uh, lactose free per se it, yes. it's pretty much like lactose Correct. free so Correct. usually well I mean if you do have any digestive concerns the uh, the hydrolyzed uh, whey isolate seems to be um, the weapon of choice so yep. least amount of irritation Definitely. My experience. And, and that's because they've taken out things that, you know, can be allergens in certain people. Things yep. like beta-lactoglobulin, which cause, you know, can make you bloat, give you diarrhea, things like that, and people that don't mm-hmm. tolerate it too well. Yep. And you'll find those in whey protein concentrate, not so much in isolates. Yeah. And then when we go to hydrolyzed, we're actually using enzymes to pre-digest it. Right. And it's so it's break- absorbed even quicker. Exactly right. Exactly Very right. Good. Okay. Well, so it sounds like the hydrolyzed... In a perfect world, it'd be the way to go in terms of your post-workout shakes if you want the yep. biggest bang for buck yep. response. So uh, why don't they make all proteins a, a super hydrolyzed? So what's really important with any supplement in my mind is that it should taste good, have good consistency and have a good profile. If things don't taste good, people generally don't take them. Yeah. And hydrolyzed on its own tastes horrible. Right. Absolutely horrible. Very bitter. That real... Uh, uh, if any of our listeners have had unflavoured BCAAs, that type of that, that Just really like tart. That. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Very, very bitter, unpalatable. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that's why if you see anything that says it's 100% hydrolyzed. Yeah. Well, uh, I will chime in there and said say that I did try years ago, back when um, you know I've been training for a billion years, as our listeners know, been 500 years of age. <laughs> and uh, there was a, you know, algae peptide. You know, it was this, this hydrolyzed bee's knees that had sort of molecular structures on the outside. I thought, wow, this must be good. Lab coats on. Lab, <laughs> lab coats on, yeah. Yes. My, my eyes sort of lit up, you know. I think it said anabolic response on there. Oh, yeah, give me some of that. And and it said, uh, I think it was the French vanilla flavor and, and Dutch chocolate. And it said, like saying, it sounded great. But my God, it was, you talk about unpalatable. This, this stuff was uh, horrific. 
really, really, really fine. Uh, yep. Super, like a, like a dust, know, dust yeah. type consistency. But my God, it was uh, uh, hard, hard to get down. It was. I didn't even get through the tub. I think a couple of serves, and it was like, ooh, but yeah. not for me for now. Now I'd probably tolerate it and go, yeah, it's cool. Zero lactose. It's means to an end. Performance wise, I get it. But back then, when uh, frothy milkshake was uh, <laughs> the order of the day, it didn't didn't fly. No, it wasn't okay. good. Mm. Yep. So I will attest to that. Definitely, yes. it's uh, yeah. unpalatable. So how do you get around that? What do you do? So what we do, yeah, personally, is we, yep, we mix it with cold filtered whey protein isolate as well. Okay, so just got, straight isolate. Yeah, we've got hydrolyzed and then we've got um, just straight whey protein isolate. Okay. Okay. So your particular product has a blend of the hydrolyze and the whey protein isolate. Yep. And so you're trying to find a balance between the two to get something that's the best quality product yes. that you can actually get down and, and enjoy to a certain degree. Exactly yeah. right. right. Exactly right. And I guess the concentrate, Tommy, um, if you can tolerate the concentrate, then if, it, you know, some individuals press the time, you know, they can't uh, they can't get a meal in, you know, you probably have clients like this and we'll program, okay, uh, we'll chug down a yeah, mid-morning, mid-afternoon, although excessive protein consumption, liquid protein, I think is a good thing for anyone, but... Yep. Times of, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, mm. uh, Sean, like a concentrate, although negligible, it's going to be a slightly uh, slower digestion time. Throw some fats in there, then they can get away with a, uh, a you know, and it's cheaper as well. Yeah. So mm. the, the, the budget and, you know, some of the companies will do a uh, isolate concentrate mix. Um, and then you get a bit of slow acting, so you get the initially the, the, the high, uh, fast acting, uh, you know, post-training and then that slower release. But the thing is, for my money, uh, you know, Hydrolyzed isolate bang or, or, or a hydrolyzed uh, whey isolate and whey isolate combo, boom, get that in, and then within the hour, eat a, you're going to eat a meal anyway. You don't really need that yes. that concentrate slowly being digested. You just yes. want it in fast, aminos, boom, do its thing, Yep. and then uh, you, you, you back that up with whole food. So, you know, I'm not really, uh, I don't think it's necessarily the concentrate isolate mix, but, yep. but that would be the other reason the concentrate. Okay, very good. Yeah. Righto, and so when you figure this out and you're obviously working with a, a lab to yes. get the, this combination right so was that a, a lengthy procedure for you to get this product developed the way that you wanted it was it was very lengthy it yeah. took a bit over a year and actually right. worked very closely with Rawdon on it yep yep um, we did you did, we did. Um, and there was lots of uh, okay um, and you remember Tom it would be uh, okay here's the latest batch and we would we'd give it out to the team and they like, would, a, little, uh, like a little wine tasting yep, yes. yep little cups and then it'd be <laughs> spit it out yeah. nah, ooh, that's, a, that's a no go for that one Sean but this one is a, a, a go and uh, and that's I guess essentially it was, it was you came up with uh, something that you thought was good we tried it yes uh, so process in itself but, uh, but also um, a big thing as you know is the consistency yes you know, so what did you? I mean, the end product was good. It was nice and creamy. It was mm-hmm. it was uh, it was thick, good yep. consistency. So, what is that? Just the way? I mean, uh, it's quite watery. Just isolate by itself. What, yeah, it what is happens? quite watery. So, so what we did is we've used a couple of thickeners. Okay. Um, yep. In our one, we use xanthan gum and guar gum. Okay. So xanthan gum is made from fermented corn sugar. Okay. So actually, what they do is they ferment corn sugar um, using a bacteria called Xanthomonas campestris, um, and then. It's dropping some big words today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You're trying to impress me, Sean. Sure. Very good, very good. I know you like the big words. Uh, but um, so, so they use gums, yep. yeah, they use that, and then guar gum is made from guar seeds. Um, yeah. They dehusk it, they mill it, and they're both powders, which um, when they come into contact with water, start to yeah. start to thicken, thicken up. a little yeah. bit. So, so does that add to the the macro breakdown of your product? Does it make a carbohydrate content or anything to the to the weight? Oh, very very slightly. So, okay. with the um, with the xanthan gum being a fermented corn sugar, definitely yes. does. But um, there's such small amounts um, that they really yeah. exactly do they right. uh, contribute to the flavour a little bit as well, or not so much? Not really, not really. They're really just, just a thickener, thickening just a agents. Thickener. Yeah, um, we use um, flavours to you know cocoa yep. and all the things like that. To we've got chocolate and vanilla. They're the ones we do at the moment. So yep. we use um, cocoa and vanilla being to. And the the, the thickeners, uh, Sean. Before you move on, uh, were they the the, the cleanest type of? Because uh, obviously you, your product, yep. one of the things is the, the purity and uh, authenticity yes, and, and genuine. Yep. Like the best for for the consumer. Were they um, essentially? The reality is, okay, I have a watery uh, protein, which yep. which on paper might be a better, a, a cleaner protein. Yep. But are people going to use it long term? Yeah, exactly. It's debatable. They might buy one tub, but you want them to keep yep. coming back. So thickener, and like those ones, the wagam and uh, xanthan gum, are they the the, the 
yeah, the best. Eventually. Exactly right. Exactly right. They're, okay. they're the best of the options. Okay. Um, you can use other things to thicken up, like soy lectin and things like that. Yep. But then starting to put soy into the product, which All we right. didn't want to do. Yes. There's okay. other things like carrageen, things like that, um, yep. which you know have different effects on the body as well for certain people. Mm. So they were definitely the best the of the best bunch of the that man. we chose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. So we're trying to get the best product possible here. Yep. That, that's you know one of your your prime motives behind the yep. whole yep. thing. You mentioned the amount of milk required to, uh, yeah. to to get the raw product. A lot of leftover. <laughs> I mean, we had a Dr. Chrysler on a couple of episodes back, and he sort of mentioned, you know, in the in the states, there's this epidemic of children growing up with these hormone imbalances due to yeah. the highly estrogenic environment they keep the cows in to produce milk over there. Yes, yeah. Uh, and they're uh, good point. Consuming a lot of estrogens from the milk that they're drinking. Is there any concerns about the actual yeah. where your cows are coming from, where this milk's coming from to produce the product, and where are they coming from? Yeah. yeah. So um, we use New Zealand way. Yeah. Ah, yes, ref- that's been referenced Everyone by Everyone says yes. that's the best. Charles, yep. uh, even C- the big CP, uh, he-, he references um, Poliquin, uh, the New Zealand grass-fed. Yep. Yes. Yep, very yep. good. So, and 100%, how the cow is raised, treated, and what it eats affects the output of the milk. Yep. All right, interesting. So how did you come up with uh, the supplier in New Zealand? Did you uh, sample their product or did you get so pictures of the facility? Did you fly to New Zealand? No, so I actually... You went to France for the uh, true <laughs> salt. Yeah. So did I you wish, go to New Zealand? I yeah. wish. But um, for, for our protein and our products, they're produced here in Australia. Okay. And they actually source the way from New Zealand dairies. It was really important to me to do the production here in Australia because of the standards we have for food standards and also TGA and things like that, um, which makes sure it's of a certain standard, safe for people to consume and also so we're ensured that people are actually putting into their bodies what they're told. And, and was that also? I mean, I know you, and you, you, you know, you, your background. You work for one of the, the, the bigger, biggest uh, coffee companies in the world. So obviously, yep. a very high standard. Yes. Was that a that took? You know, you said the process was a year. Was that part of the process? Just finding an actual yeah, manufacturer that, that, that could live to your expectations. Yeah, I had a lot of um, a lot of manufacturers that promised me the world and gave yeah. me an atlas. Yeah. And that was that took a lot of time to weed okay. through, and also to be very honest, at my size, not a lot of people wanting to listen to an independent guy who's trying yep. to put out you know a really high quality product at a low volume yeah yeah it's um you know but that's a challenge in itself but i wanted to make sure that the quality of the product was where i wanted it to be and, and where people would appreciate it so Very good. okay i gather sean with the amount of effort that goes into making a really good quality protein yep. and then you know Conversely, the amount of protein products that are out there, yeah. that um, mm-hmm. there's a fair bit of stuff that is probably not the not of the highest standard. Yes. Yeah. Do you have any guidelines as to yeah, how do we actually let's say listener. say we don't get yours? Yep. Um, if we're not going to do that, but they've what, got to. <laughs> they you have to. Not that we're endorsing it, but you have to buy it. How do you pick a good protein? Yeah, um, so, a lot of it comes down to how it's made, and um, if you flip over the ingredients, you know a bit about them. Yep. You'll be able to discern for yourself. So um, the method we just talked about, the filtration for yep. whey protein, there's actually another method that some manufacturers use called iron exchange. Yep, yep, yep. And what they do is they use um, certain chemicals, like hydrochloric acid, sodium hydroxide, to actually um, treat the protein. Yep. What happens is the protein um, content will actually come up and they'll have a product, uh, whey protein is very high in protein, but again, using those chemicals denatures the protein. Right. I see. So, so is that coming down to bioavailability? High protein on paper, but the bioavailability is not exactly good? right. Exactly right. The bioavailability is, you know, once you denature them, they're pretty much useless. All right. Yeah. Because you, so I, I, and well, I don't know if you've spent a lot of time looking at protein, but over the thousand years I've been alive, I, I have looked at the the labels, and some are like, you know, for a thirty gram serve of protein, they've got twenty nine point nine grams of yes. actual protein. Wow. This is this looks Im- impressive. Too, too good to be true. Too good to be mm. true. And then the salesman, uh, some of the boys at ASN, where I worked for a brief uh, guys, uh, Neutral Bay, um, they would say, uh, well, actually, this one only has 25 grams per uh, 30 gram serve, but it's, uh, and they blah, 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 yep. filtration, all that type of stuff, but it was actually, you absorb that 25. Right. Exactly so is, that, right. is that what you're referencing there? Yeah. Okay. So, we, so yep. if you see an iron exchange on the back in terms of the way it's manufactured, yep. Well, off the, off the list, not as well, not not as preferable. Yeah, I think. It's, okay. it's just not as preferable, I guess. As um, Roy was just saying, the bioavailability of it has decreased. Yes, there's not as much to uptake. Yep. So if you're if you're wanting to be, you know, get bang for buck, you probably want to spend on a better quality protein that's okay. actually going to be absorbed. Yep. And and it's going to do what you want it to do, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Okay. So uh, some sort of cross-filtered uh, cold filter, that type of stuff, as yep. opposed to iron exchange. Yes. Would yep. you be suggesting yep. uh, an ice like if it 
two scenarios daily protein uh, post-workout protein bed protein the ones that we listed would they be the ones you would uh, yeah they would so um hydrolyzed is more expensive yep. it's more expensive to produce obviously budget yep yep but um it really comes down to your goals it is the most bioavailable fastest uptake and if performance is you know what you're chasing <laughs> that would be my best bet yeah um yep. and casein you know before bed um, if you know you're not going to eat a meal for a long time, yeah. you can also take it in that place. As opposed to the uh, as opposed to a micellar casein, as opposed to the calcium or sodium caseinate. Yes. Um, I personally would avoid the sodium and calcium caseinate. Okay. Personal preference, just because they've also gone gone through that uh, a chemical process. Denaturing. Denaturing. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And micellar casein, you know, in terms of you're able to yield more from milk, the cost is it's more cost effective. Yep. And um, I would be taking micellar casein. Of all the caseins, but all right. all okay, that's good. Yeah. Good. And concentrate does that have a place? I mean, budget. I definitely, suppose, definitely does. I think a lot of manufacturers sort of put it down, say that it's yeah. you know not Inferior. up to the quality. But yeah, but if it's gone way. exactly right, and um, the the issue that people have with it so much, it's not a quality thing. It's that um, it has more lactose, it has yeah. more fats. Yeah. yeah. Um, the macro breakdown is different, right? So, yeah. um, but if that fits your requirements, yeah. it's still a very good protein to have. It really okay. comes down to down to those. That sounds good. good. All right. So let's say that they do want to get your protein, yep. Sean. Yeah. How do they go about that? They can jump on my website. Yep. Um, it's www.sabitosupplements.com. It's okay. S-U-B-I-T-O. Sabito. Where, where does the name come from? Um, it's actually an Italian word for fast or rapid. Rapid Very supplement. Yeah. Uh, and you actually oh, okay. said that quite fast and <laughs> rapid when you said <laughs> yeah, fast yeah, and rapid. Yeah, fast <laughs> <laughs> really right. Ra- <laughs> 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 peer, I think that's called, Tom. Yeah. Oh, mate. Word of the day. Uh, all right, so what about uh, what, uh, what other Subido things have you got? Not that we're here blatantly flogging your product, but... Uh, <laughs> you took well, the time here. to come in the studio, so we'll give him, his, we'll give yeah, him a little chance. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. What else you got in the pipeline, mate? What do you got at the moment? So at the moment, we've got um, our hydrolyzed WPI. We also yep. have a carb powder. Okay, yep. Yep, that's a 50-50 blend of maltodextrin and dextrose. Yep. Mm-hmm. Treated a bit differently by the body. Yep. Um, fares well on the gut. Yep, yep. So that's really good for your glycogen replenishment yep. and also... During training, intra workout. So, intra post, beautiful. Yep. My, my guys take that, yep. definitely. And um, we're working on some new products now. Yep. So, we're working on an amino blend that's going to be a mix of BCAAs. You did tell me about this. Yeah. This sounds too good to be true. And it's actually going to be EAAs, BCAAs, but palatable. Yes, palatable and also with electrolytes. With electrolytes. Ah, yeah, 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 very good. Okay, good. So, as we all know, ducks guts. in this room, yeah. Yeah. ducks guts. Yeah, <laughs> ducks guts. Yeah, yeah. It could be, you could be pull a, uh, reaching into a wizard sleeve there, uh, yes. Sean. Good. I don't know if you could actually achieve that. Good well, luck. We're doing our best. Yeah. Um, Early and days. feels like we're on track. Okay. Yeah, it's just really working out that flavoring. Again, making sure that it's something that people actually want to take. Yes. Um, there's no point in putting out something that tastes horrible. Yeah. People will take it for a short while and then they're yeah, not really exactly. getting the benefit of it. So. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, an amino uh, BCAEA blend with electrolytes, flavored. Yep. Anything else? Um, glutamine and creatine. They'll be coming out very soon. Staples. Yep. Yeah. Very good. Um, next couple of weeks. Um, and also, we've gone into accessories, weightlifting accessories. Uh, Tom and I call that apparel. 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 Yes. What do yep. you got? So we've got um, lifting straps, yeah. loop and tails, figure eights. Very good. We've also got uh, wrist wraps, yep. uh-huh. and we've also got um, knee wraps. Okay. Okay. Heavy so the wrist wraps, uh, a lot of the powerlifting fraternity will know about those. Yeah. Gen pop, maybe not so much, but obviously brace the wrists, yep. the knee wraps, obviously around the knees, uh, and then uh, you know a fundamental uh, bit of kit. For anyone that hits the gym, a, a set of uh, certainly for all my clientele because they're not powerlifters. I don't really, as much as some uh, you know grip development is good. I don't want that to be a limiting factor when I'm loading uh, for high Trying to load up their yeah. posterior chain, you'd rather or, or, them move or, the weight with or, or, a strap. Or the back, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, I encourage them to strap it at all times. The only thing, uh, I tell you what would be good, and you can tell us now if you want to uh, you know, put it out there. Maybe yep. some uh, Sabido occlusion straps. Yes. Uh, maybe you could uh, get some I of have, those. What do you I have been requested? Um, right. By what someone else are, on those, are actually. You gonna, uh, a here mate of yours. Now, like a under the bar first? Uh, we hear it here first. It's exclusive. It? Exclusive. Yeah. Yes. So the the thing with occlusions is your arms are quite large compared to mine. Right. So um, just got to work out the sizing on those and, and how we can make it a, a viable strap. So yep. it is coming. It is coming. Very oh, good. Excellent. <laughs> exclusive. Well, I've just got to go back Looks and forth like you, you with, with, with the lab to, to get the right flavour of occlusion yeah. straps. Yes. And yes. Then, uh, it's got to be palatable. It's got to be palatable. Yeah. Right, Well, that's fantastic. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the ins and outs of the whey protein. I thought that was uh, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's not as, uh, you know, you think the process would be... Uh, 
you put in a submit an inquiry. Hey, I want to make a protein. Uh, can you fix it up for me? But it sounds like it was uh, something obviously you have to be clearly passionate about. Yes. Um, stickler to quality. You know, obviously there were a yeah, few definitely. offers along the way, but it's like. Eh. Uh, until you came up with the final product and um, I have actually tasted uh, it's very it tastes good the viscous the viscosity is great yes you know like Tom and I always appreciate a uh, you know an espresso and we can judge and you, you're a, a connoisseur of the uh, short blacks yourself there Sean yep. Cam he's more of a flat white man so I won't uh, involve you in this conversation but the, <laughs> the viscosity is, uh, is the key uh, is key yeah, yeah. so it's uh, the viscosity Thick. very good mm, mm, very good well that's exciting mate so they can go to subitosupplements.com to uh, check out the product range. Yep. And so look, it's all uh, all very exciting, mate. Thank you for the time in the studio. Pleasure. And uh, we'll obviously be in contact as the program uh, moves forward. Yes. Look forward to the, to the next range of uh, products. Maybe some uh, samples of this uh, this, uh, this golden, uh, the, the unicorn of uh, amino acid supplementation, this, uh, this BCA EAA yes. drink next time you come in for Cam. Tom and I to sample and we'll, yeah. we'll do it live on air and we'll take a sip all right and then we'll let our listener know what we get a real think. honest panel going honest yes. panel yes very, Can't very good fake a facial expression <laughs> no <laughs> good no. thanks for your time Sean Jesus. thanks, thanks for having me mate. bye balls deep with Rawdon and Tom on under the bar podcast Check us out under the bar podcast.com. Very good. We're joined in studio with resident neuroscientist Luke Tullick. Well, mate, he only just fits in these days. The it's size of the, the, the man. He's back. Uh, he's given away the uh, gymnastics finally. Yes. He's and, seen the light. And it's a real uh, groundskeeper willy physique. Yeah. Which he's, legit. he's presenting these legit. days. Yes, yeah, exciting. What, what have you been doing with your training, mate? Anything dramatically different or uh, uh, lifting weights again? Yeah, mate, surplus tons, of calories. Yeah, and tons of volume, just yeah. as much fucking chin-ups as i can handle pretty yeah. much yeah, yeah that's about it he's been working hard and the the really funny thing is like um those a lot of our listeners wouldn't necessarily be aware of uh of luke prior to um you know your your physique of late yeah. and if anyone's you know been following him on uh, social media but um you know you were reasonably staunch before you yeah <laughs> you I'm had a few injuries I'm not there yet you know i'm not there yet i was uh you know up around the hunji mark and yeah. i'm about 97 or something now yeah. so still not back in the sweet spot any yeah. you know get in there funny thing is like i've had messages like oh you know is uh <laughs> luke uh Luke Natty still? Or what's going on there? Which oh, is Mate, flattering. I was I'm sure. chuffed. Yeah, yeah, you're chuffed. I mean, that's why I told you straight away. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's motivating. Yeah, all those cool. other punks back at lift, you know, flapping around, <laughs> hanging off ropes, and oh, doing all this type of stuff. Let's get yeah. in there and lift some weight, boys. Awesome. Yeah. Well, anyway, today. So two episodes back, we had Dr. John Chrysler on. Yep. And then we did the ins and outs of testosterone. And we did yep. mention, we touched on uh, estrogen. Or yes. Estrogen. The devil. And we'll probably sort of uh, fluctuate between the two pronunciations as yep. this segment goes on. Yes. But we didn't really go into that much detail on the topic. No. And when we got Luke in here the first time, we were sort of said, well, what we'll do is we'll explain the endocrine system. Yep. And so we thought, well, let's get him in, have a, an expose on estrogen. Yes. And the, the pros and cons, because as we sort of alluded to, and Chrysler did, it's by no means the devil. No. And, and you, there has to be that, that nice little sweet spot, yeah, the balance of, uh, of hormones to get everything working uh, working well. Yes. So, Luke, welcome back uh, to the studio. It's good yep. to have you in here. So, what is estrogen? Well, you know, let's give us let's, the, uh, yeah. the the layman's rundown. Let's go balls deep straight into it, shall we, boys? <laughs> uh, Bombs away. <laughs> <laughs> so, estrogens are basically a group of steroidal hormones that are found in men and women. And we have different types of estrogens. So, there's actually a lot of different metabolites of estrogen. The three that sort of come to mind as the big groups is estrone, which is sometimes called E1, and that's sort of found in the ovaries, the adrenals, and in your fat tissue. Are the, are these both male and female have the yes, three types? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. absolutely. Okay. Uh, estradiol, which is E2, which is when most people refer to estrogen, that's usually the one they're talking about. Yep. Um, it's sort of the most uh, metabolically potent of the three. Okay. And then you have estriol, which is E3, and that's often seen as like a urinary metabolite that's measured. Um, so those are sort of the three main headings of estrogen, and you kind of have metabolites underneath that, which we're going to get into a little later as well. And hand up, what are yep. metabolites? Uh, it's basically like a, a downstream derivative of the 
the raw product. The raw product, I suppose, yeah. Okay. So, you know, it, it might undergo some sort of conversion through an enzyme or something like that to produce another form of that same hormone, and that's okay. sort of the metabolite of metabolite. the parent hormone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, tell me, Lukey, before we uh, progress forward, mm-hmm. uh, which is the one out of the, uh, the three that we usually get tested with blood chemistry? Uh, uh, is they estradiol? Yeah, they'll look at ratios normally. Okay. Um, so you also have uh, ratios of the metabolites of, of the three. So actually a lot of the metabolites that are looked at are, are come from estrone or E1. That's actually a lot of what the testing is related to. And that uh, will screen that for things like breast cancer and that type of stuff. All right. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Is there any significant difference between the role of estrogen that it plays in a male and a female? Yeah, they tend to have uh, different roles because they're involved uh, in the female quite a lot, obviously, with their um, sex organs, right? So they help regulate things like the period, uh, libido, and they have a role to play with the ovaries and the female reproductive system. Yes. Uh, And it also has some gender-specific differences in terms of things like bone health and mood and all that sort of thing. So each gender will have a specific ratio of estrogen uh, of the different types of estrogens and also tes- uh, estrogen to testosterone, estrogen to other things like maybe DHEA, um, progesterone, pregnenolone that will influence you know, basically how their body behaves. So it's quite a complex system there. Mm. But as a general rule, if we're looking at women, um, estrogen obviously stimulates the development of their female reproductive tissues. And it also has a role to play in bone integrity and the vascular system, so smooth muscle tone, uh, collagen production, mood, brain activity, normal vaginal function as well in terms of like the epithelium and how that's that's maintained. That's just sort of the base tissue. Yep. Um, whereas in men, it's a little bit different. Like it's you still have an interaction with the reproductive hormones, but that's obviously governed a bit more by testosterone and the, and the sort of testosterone family of, of steroid hormones. But in men, you sort of have a role to play with sperm motility, um, which is how the, the sperm are able to sort of move and, and behave. Swim. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and it also helps modulate um, immunity and it has, a, an, again, an effect on the cardiovascular system. So it can have a protective effect on the cardiovascular system that we see specifically in men. Right. Okay. So they're sort of similar roles, but they have this different interaction with other hormones between each gender. Okay. Tell me, Luke, uh, does the estrogen more uh, estrogen for females? Does that influence uh, muscle ma- like for men? We know testosterone is a, a big driver of uh, of all that great mm-hmm. stuff. Is it because testosterone is much less? Is estrogen more of, of a? Does that contribute to increasing muscle mass, hypertrophy, that type of stuff for females, or it's still uh, primarily the what testosterone they do have, or is estrogen yeah, a, a key player? Look, it does, um, but it's much more of an indirect role than say testosterone is. Okay. You'll see like a direct correlation with you know how much testosterone is floating around to muscle mass. You know? Okay, so. Yeah, so testosterone is still uh, it's like the, the that's main the key driver. thing, right? Um, but I think it's important to note that you do need a certain level of estrogen in there for normal function and for normal interactions with testosterone and all the other anabolic hormones, right? Right. Um, so it's it's important for laying down that general tissue health, like collagen health as well. I mean, that's a big component of your muscle tissue, your ligaments, yes. that type of stuff. So indirectly, it's helpful. Yeah, it is indirectly helpful, and and even down to if we're talking about like mood and and you know your perceptions of fatigue and, mm. and that kind of stuff i mean if you're not feeling too hot you're not going to want to train that hard yeah, you know yeah, just yeah, as a basic yeah, thing yeah, you're yeah. probably going to eat not yeah. as well that sort yeah. of thing so it does have this indirect role so yeah. it's really important that we have the right levels and i think a lot of people are a bit obsessed with trying to eliminate or limit estrogen yeah. in some way yeah um, but it actually is super important for a lot of a lot of things related yeah. to training and nutrition yeah okay. okay so when there is a problem with excess estrogen or high estrogen levels mm-hmm. is that because more of it's being produced or you mentioned elimination there is it harder mm. for some people to actually eliminate estrogen yeah. from the system or what's going on how is it eliminated perhaps? yes yeah so we have a few things going on here basically there's ratios that we're looking at between some of the estrogen metabolites. So it's usually what we look at are metabolites of estrone or E1, and you might have 2-hydroxyestrone. So that's considered more of the healthy 
estrogen metabolite. Okay. You also have 4-hydroxyestrone and then you have 16-alpha-hydroxyestrone. So that's the 2, 4, and 16 estrogen that's sometimes I referred have, to. Yeah, I have heard yeah. that reference. You probably would have heard that if you've done any sort of functional medicine type stuff yep. or anything like that. If you've got a lab coat on, you, you well, would have heard of that. You yeah. and I, uh, we <laughs> yeah. discuss the, the, all the time. Yeah, mm. I actually mm. left my lab coat at home today. I was mm. just um, <laughs> feeling a little bit out of my depth right now. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, you'll be right. Hold my hand. Yes. There you go. <laughs> okay. So basically, some of those uh, metabolites are considered more protective. And some of them are considered, uh, you know, not so good. Sometimes they're called proliferative. In other words, they make, uh, because we, we know there's a relationship towards cancer proliferation yes. if the ratios of particularly like the 16 uh, estrone is a bit high compared yeah. to the 2 estrone, for example. Um, so the, the most protective one and the best one that we want to have a lot of is 2-hydroxyestrone. Um, so that's kind of quite important. And... Uh, the ultimate biological effect of the estrogen is kind of dependent on how it's metabolized, and that's mainly in the liver, okay? So you have this sort of group of enzymes called the P450 enzymes, and if you've... Yeah, yeah, fa- uh, yeah. yeah phase you, one, phase two. Yeah, exactly, yeah, all that sort of detoxification uh, pathways in the liver. Mm. It's found in other tissue as well, but it's mainly concentrated in the liver. Yeah. Um, you know, so phase one, the estrogen might go through hydroxylation, and phase two is, is conjugation to, you know, methylation, sulfation, glucuronidation, um, and the resulting metabolites out of those are what I just spoke about. Okay. Right? Okay. So once estrogen goes through that, it could be forming these different metabolites, the 2-hydroxy or the 4-hydroxy or the 16-alpha-hydroxy, right? Okay. Um, so, it, you know, you can get uh, genetic polymorphisms. That means some people are really good at, at doing some of that detoxification and other people are not so good. And so you might have different ratios of those metabolites being produced depending on how good you are at doing the sulfation or the glucuronidation or okay. whatever it is. So say someone is very poor at that process. Detoxing, yeah. What would be some of the outward signs or symptoms that they don't metabolize estrogen well yeah so you're going to start getting things like if you've got a poor ratio of those resulting metabolites you're probably looking at stuff like across both sexes things like decreased memory decreased libido generally speaking we have associations with greater body fat as well and that's just sort of an association it might just be that you're generally more estrogenic partly as a result of being you know, maybe having too much body fat, mm. but also sometimes too much body fat can produce more estrogen. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. And, and we'll, we'll talk a bit about that as well. Mm. Um, so, you know, things like that. Uh, gut function can also get a little bit affected. Um, and sometimes it's a bit of a chicken and egg type situation. Again. Yes. Um, okay. You know, but it's, it's general things like that. Libido, mood, um, that type of stuff is and most involved. But you could have other stuff. You could have... Um, you know, associated things like insulin resistance or hypothyroidism okay. in, in women that, that also contribute in some way. So it can be a little bit difficult to pick apart, but I think there's some sort of good general practice things you can do to just make sure your estrogen's in line. Yeah. Um, all right. What is it about high body fat levels that increases estrogen or makes an individual more estrogenic? So, yeah, aromatase is the big one. So there's an enzyme called aromatase, and aromatase exists in your body fat. What it basically does is it converts testosterone into estrogen. Okay. And that's the main way that we actually produce estrogen in the first place. For that, men, that, yeah. that parent hormone of estrogen that results in all the resulting metabolites and everything we just spoke about, once it goes through the liver, that's all produced originally from the testosterone be, being converted into estrogen. Yep. So the more body fat you have, the more aromatase there is, yep. which means the more likely it is your testosterone is going to be converted to estrogen, which means two things. One, you're going to have less testosterone, and two, you're going to have more estrogen. Right. Interesting. So, I mean, if uh, if for women, they, they produce... Uh, we know uh, from what you were saying earlier, Luke, that testosterone is still a, a key player for women as well, in mm-hmm. increasing muscle mass, which... You know, I know all my clientele certainly want to add as much muscle as they can, and, and yeah. we all know that, that uh, women don't get bulky if they uh, weight train, do all that type of stuff. But 
if their uh, body fat levels are high, then what little testosterone they are making, yeah. there's a good chance that they're aromatizing <laughs> quite a bit of that testosterone to estrogen as well. So yeah. uh, I mean, double whammy for um, you know uh, high body fat levels and, and, and the females in regards to increasing muscle mass by the sounds of yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the, the other thing is that generally speaking, if you've got more body fat, there's a good chance that your inflammation is going to be a little bit yeah. higher, just your systemic inflammation. Yep. Mm. And the problem with that is that aromatase activity actually increases with the presence of inflammatory cytokines, right? Right. So you kind of get this uh, additive effect from that and therefore controlling inflammation is also a, a big part of reducing aromatase activity and keeping that estrogen to testosterone ratio a bit healthier. It right. often comes back to that uh, that inflammation, you know, uh, cholesterol, we know it's not cholesterol, HDL or the LDL, it's, uh, it's just inflammation. This, mm. this systemic or uh, chronic inflammation seems to be uh, popping up with, with, with uh, playing a role in everything. All this stuff. It really yeah. is important to manage it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, Righto, you touched on the environmental estrogens yep. and we you've mentioned the E1, the E2, the E3. Yeah. Well, what about these environmental yeah, well, estrogens? Why are they called uh, estrogens for yeah. a start? I mean, uh, uh, basically, they're just very close structurally to estrogen. Um, so they're okay. able to interact with the receptors, uh, the same receptors that estrogen interacts with in the body. So if they can get into sort your bloodstream, mimic. yeah, they they basically mimic it, um, and they're very they're close enough that they can lock into that uh, estrogen receptor. So just to give a quick uh, overview of how the receptors work, essentially, they are a certain shape, a three D shape uh, on the surface of a cell, and a there's different types of receptors and how they behave. That we won't get into that, but if you are um, close enough in shape to be able to fit into that like a lock and key yeah. uh, you'll be able to bind to that receptor and have an effect um, so similar to what estrogen would normally do yeah exactly right um, you know, so you get that and I think you're alluding to like uh, uh, are the xenoestrogens or these chemicals in the environment are they I'm assuming they're not like the good estrogen E1 are they like this E16 yeah. the bad one that's stimulating yeah they're more negative? like that so they you know either you'll just have an excess of that so it's just constantly binding to these receptors and causing this massive estrogenic effect just because of the sheer volume of it right uh, in addition to your own natural estrogen so it could just be estrogen levels way out of whack just, just yeah exactly or it could just be that they are more in um, structurally similar to the bad uh, okay. in quotation marks uh, estrogen mm. um, you know and so where what are we talking about with that it's like you've probably been through it before but plastics yep. um, petrochemicals parabens that kind of stuff um, in the uh, the makeup the uh, you know shampoos all that type yeah, of stuff yeah for sure so yeah. Body, the body lotions and all body. that kind of stuff mm. yeah yes. you and I often yeah, use the body lotions oiled up oiled <laughs> yeah. yeah and so man is it, is it just a uh, you know just a, a quirk of nature or the world that these toxins and plastics and chemicals that at that level they look like estrogens is it just a fluke or yeah. were they designed were they made out of a you conspiracy theorist product? well I just, I'm just curious no, I think uh, most of it, I mean, there's a lot of different substances, uh, but essentially they, they just happen to just mimic happen that to shape. And yeah. Like there's a lot of different chemicals used, right? And one of them is like a, they call them plasticizers. And a lot of people go, they'll immediately think of a piece of Tupperware when, when you say a plasticizer. Yeah. But what it is, is it's actually a lot of different things to be called a plasticizer because plastic in biology actually, or even physics and, and uh, engineering means to make something moldable or shapeable. It yes. makes it easy to manipulate the structure of it. Yes. Um, so we could say, you know, you often hear, oh, you know, neuron connection in the brains are highly plastic. In other words, yes. it can change structure quite easily. Yeah. And so that's what they, they're used for. So it can be used for like fucking almost anything, man. In manufacturing, yeah. they'll, they'll use a lot of different plasticizers. Even you'll find in supplements sometimes, oh, there's a plasticizer in this. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It's just that a lot yeah. of them do mimic that structure of estrogen. And some of them can actually increase the... Um, receptor activity of estrogen in the body as well so you might have a certain number of estrogen receptors but having these plasticizers present can actually increase the expression of more estrogen receptors so you just get like this double whammy of like heaps wow. more estrogen activity okay yeah and then we then then uh, the listeners are on the right track estrogen is bad it's the devil so when it does get like that obviously yeah it's, uh, when it gets out of control yeah, yeah for sure massive mm. course control. and and luke it, w w would you say i mean we sort of uh, you know i think um you know, quite a lot of our guests will always refer to the deterioration of the environment uh, being a, a, a cause of a lot of the health concerns these days. Do you, is it just uh, 
the way of the world like we're we're getting exposed to more and more of these chemicals and it's um yeah, what 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 can our yeah. listeners do? do? Do is it as simple as just avoiding some of the lotions? And, I think uh, so. I mean, I think it's one of those things that's probably cumulative. Like if you yeah. are stuck in a pinch and you have to microwave your food in a plastic container, it, it's not the end of the world. Right. Um, it's not going to suddenly make you super estrogenic because your body does have mechanisms for dealing with it. Right. We've yep. talked about the detoxification. It's present if you. Uh, generally healthy and your detoxification processes are working yep. like I wouldn't stress too much about it it's going to take care of it but it's probably one of those things that accumulated over years and plus you're a bit overweight and you don't train that much plus mm. your diet's not that good mm. you know you're going to feel the effects of that for and sure you, and, and you're you looking at me when you said that Luke <laughs> yeah, and well. you may genetically be <laughs> predisposed to not detoxifying your sure. particularly well and you yeah. Yeah, absolutely. create a bit of a perfect storm yeah mm. all right so. So, if that is the case, um, what what can our listeners do? You know, I mean, are there foods they can eat? Are there? I mean, you know, we used to where we used to work. Shut it, <coughs> shut it down my spine. But um, we used to had a, a infrared sauna. I, I hear the infrared saunas can help uh, with the detoxification, and certainly the the xenoestrogens and things like that. Are there certain things that our listeners? Um, should be making part of their world any uh, any supplements like does the old DIM do yeah. the, do mm. the trick or yeah look there's a few things I think like number one we have to just look at the basic stuff it's the same with your nutrition where you're trying to look at like hey let's just get in enough protein let's yep. make sure that the portion sizes are appropriate okay we have to look at the basic stuff first the first one is don't let yourself get too fat yep just yep. real simple it's going to increase your inflammation. It's going to increase your aromatase expression. Aromatase inflammation, yep. And if you're excessively overweight, it probably means you don't exercise much either. And yep. there have been studies showing that if you exercise, the resulting um, hormonal output from that will actually improve the ratio of the good estrogen to the bad estrogen. So okay. That, okay. Um, and that's a key player, isn't it? That yeah, ratio. absolutely. Yeah. Two hydroxyestrone. So estrone is E1. It's the two hydroxy version of that. The ratio of that to the 16 hydroxy, 16 is the really bad one. You want the that ratio to be pretty high in favor of the of the two, right? Yep. And when you exercise, there was a 12-week study done on a whole bunch of women who did combined weights and cardio, and it showed that it shifted their initial ratio wow. much more in favor of the E2. Okay. So just exercising is going to improve that. Okay. And you have that double whammy of, okay, if you're exercising, you're also going to be possibly reducing your body fat, yep. which means, hey, that could be a, a really important causative factor in there, yep. balancing your estrogen again. Okay. okay. So like that's basic, man. That's really basic. Look at that first. The other things you need to look at are limiting your exposure to environmental estrogens. And yep. I'm not saying go bananas with this, but it's pretty easy now to find... Uh, stuff that's paraben free it's like free, it's all yeah. over the place man yeah. it's like it's like the gluten free craze you can get gluten free almost anywhere now yeah the same thing is with all of the moisturizers and that type of stuff cool. and they're usually actually better like they're just uh, you know in my experience being a, a <laughs> connoisseur <laughs> of cosmetics a connoisseur yes I mean your skin is uh, is very uh, plush yeah looks it's good it's yeah I work hard but uh Okay, so um, avoiding that. Yep. So avoiding that stuff, which is, I think, pretty easy to do. But again, not stressing out if every now and then you get some exposure to that. Yep. Don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah. Just bit by bit. Yeah. Just reduce the burden. Absolutely. Okay. Um, your other thing is, you know, nutrition related. Okay. So having um, a healthy diet where uh, you have enough protein to support your liver detoxification processes. Yep. Um, and that's a, a whole other story. But essentially, you just want all of the amino acids from there to help support your liver. Um, having enough fiber uh, because that keeps your gut healthy and your gut has an interaction with your estrogen metabolism as well. Mm -hmm. um, so in other words, sometimes you can excrete the estrogen, but uh, once it's in the gut, it can you recirculate back it. into the bloodstream so okay. you kind of don't clear it properly. Um, so fiber will help that? Good. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Uh, soluble fiber with that and, and possibly even cutting down on your sugar intake and that sort of stuff a little bit yep. as well just to promote good uh, gut flora balance. Yes. Okay. Um, you know, and so it's basic things like that. The other thing I would say is just managing inflammation, and, and that comes down to again training, good diet, uh, not stressing out too much, making sure you're doing things to balance the yin and yang. Uh, you know, so if you're training hard and working hard, make sure you also rest hard, get enough sleep. You know, maybe meditate or have some chill out time as well. Yep. yep. I think those are all the key things to help balance it. If we're looking at the estrogen from a supplemental sort of side part of you, you mentioned DIM before. Yes. Um, that 
that also works uh, pretty well if you kind of want to give this a bit of a kickstart. But I have seen this before where people go, right, I'm going on an estrogen protocol and they take fucking heaps and heaps of supplements. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem with that is that the way DIM actually works, it's found mostly in broccoli and kale and cauliflower, cruciferous, cruciferous vegetables. So you can actually get it out of your diet, but you can supplement with it too if you want to. If you take too much of it at once, what actually happens is it it can actually... Well, the way it works is it binds to aromatase. It's just weaker than uh, all the other stuff that can bind to aromatase to produce estrogen. Right. So if it's binding to aromatase, it's kind of blocking that receptor site for your testosterone to bind and convert to estrogen. Okay. Uh, but if you take too much of it at once, it's going to increase aromatase activity and you'll get more estrogen byproduct as a result. It's a bit of a yeah. rebound. So you don't want to take too much of it. So about 100 milligrams of DIM is probably right per day uh, based on the research to reduce estrogenicity. Okay. Um, so it's you know that's one. a it's a good supplement, but again, just you know increasing those cruciferous vegetable intake, and that's going to have other flow-on effects. Um, you know that's why things like kale and, and broccoli and cauliflower, uh, part of the reason why they're so strongly anti-cancerous, because um, you know breast cancer and prostate cancer and a few other types of cancers are, are implicated with having this out of balance estrogen. Uh, ratio, yeah, and part of the reason why uh, these vegetables are anti-cancerous is because they help balance that ratio. It's got a ton of other antioxidants and fiber and all that other type of thing. So it's you know oh. taking care of multiple things at once if you're getting mm. that stuff in your diet. Okay, very good, very good. All right, um, okay. Well, I think so that's, that was a pretty thorough. Just looking down my little list, I think we checked all the boxes there. Very good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Anything? Very good. Uh, anything else you want to add? Uh, any parting comments or anything that we missed from your uh, notes there, uh, Luke? Like just to reiterate, it's it's more of a lifestyle management type thing. I, like I think some of the things that we've mentioned are good for a whole bunch of things, like your yeah. insulin sensitivity, like your yeah. inflammation, uh, all that type of stuff, your cortisol levels, blah blah blah. So I think you know, like good general practices are going to lead to much healthier estrogen metabolism. If you're having issues past that, then okay, cool. You can see someone who's really specialized in that and can help you out. Yep. Um, you know, but for the for the average Joe, it's going to be you know manage all of those lifestyle factors properly and you're going to see the benefits of it yeah so yeah. don't don't, don't uh, listen to this and think you got issues with estrogen and uh, go look at dim and uh, start you know doing yeah. things uh, that uh, might not necessarily be warranted it's uh, it's another example pretty much we conclude every discussion we have with <laughs> yeah. well you know it pretty much lends itself to eating well you know eating a nice <laughs> yeah. balanced diet getting some uh, nice mix of fibers you know mm. uh, keeping body fat low yeah keeping body yep. fat low so it all sort of uh, uh, goes full circle and all comes back to that yes. uh, simple oh, paradigm sure. of yes. you know just staying in shape so yeah definitely very good, very good. alright Luke thank thanks, you very much guys. for your time mate thanks buddy talk See to you soon, soon. okay bye It was good to get uh, groundskeeper Willie back in here. He, uh, if you don't, you got to keep a, a tight chain on him though, because yeah. he can go off into study land. Yeah, he would. Yeah. Very dry, <laughs> very dry. But we, we kept him on pretty tight, tight rain then. But wasn't he a behemoth of a man mm. compared to last time? Absolutely. The, the beard was particularly fiery. Yes. Uh, he did stroke it quite a few times, but the mic placement was placement was exceptional. Uh, yet again yes very good so I think that's uh, got the estrogen uh, nicely covered there I Dusted. think he did a very good job yep the whey proteins fascinating yeah that's uh, interesting yeah very it's a real process and if anything it highlights the importance of actually paying a bit more and getting a good brand if it tastes too good if it looks too good it's probably too good yeah, yeah. and the the thing is with that one also the bioavailability you know yes. you want to you want to uh, it, all is not what it seems on paper <laughs> so just yes. beware the witch doctory and the uh, the polywaffle on yeah. the side of the label that's exactly right. Uh, to contact us and uh, you know send through an email, info at underthebarpodcast.com. Yep. Check out the website, underthebarpodcast.com. Find Rawdon, The Dubois Method, Instagram and Facebook, yep. and myself, tomhewitt.com.au. Thank you. Uh, we do enjoy your listenership. Bye-bye. We do. Bye-bye.